It's right in line with the message tonight from Romans chapter number 6. So appreciate that message in song. Let's read about it in God's Word here tonight about the cross, Romans and chapter number 6. As we stand in honor of God's Word here this evening, I do want to say it's good to have the Rogers here. I'm Brother Sammy, Miss Anessa Rogers, missionary to, missionaries to Brazil. And uh, thankful for them. Their son Clayton's been here this year and has been a good student as far as I know and uh, not gotten in much trouble. And so anyways, it's good. Uh, thankful for you, Brother Sammy. It's a blessing, um, both of you all. We got to be down there, be in Brazil with them in Jipadana. And I had a good time uh, being there and seeing God's work and, um, and hearing Brother Sammy translate into, into Portuguese. It, it was awesome. So anyways, sure glad uh, for that. Well, I'll, uh, I'll give a little bit of the reason as to why Romans 6 here in a little bit. So right now, let's just read the text. And uh, for the sake of time, we won't read all of the chapter, but we'll start the first couple of verses and we'll drop down to verse number 11 and then we'll just keep reading to the end. This is, a, this is one of those mountaintop type passages, right? I mean, all the Word of God is, is vitally important. It's, all, it's all, all the Word of God, so that makes it important. Amen? But I think you understand what I mean, that there's some where you just... You just want to pull off on the side of the road and just look at the view. And this is one of those passages. So let's look at it here in Romans 6 and verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead, please notice this, how shall we that are dead to sin, it's quite a bit different than being dead in sin. Amen. Ephesians 2, 1 talks about being dead in sin. But once you are saved, you are dead to sin. All right. So uh, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Let's drop down to verse 11 and the interval verses here. He's describing actually the cross. So we're going to come back to him in the course of preaching. But verse 11 says, likewise, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither, what's the next word? Yeah, neither yield. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield, five times in fact in these verses here, he's going to say yield, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion, dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're no longer under the, because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Well, he's dealing with some very important things right here, isn't he? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Absolutely not. God forbid. Shall we, shall we, uh, what then shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. Now, there, that's a principle that, that, is, that works, of course, Whoever you yield yourself to, that's, that's who you're a servant to. He goes on, whether of sin unto death or 
of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked. Notice these wonderful words. That you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness, and please notice this, as ye have yielded yourselves servants to uncleanness, immorality, it's, uh, uncleanness is, is that, you've yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity. So in other words, he's saying, when you yielded yourself to one form of iniquity, it led to another form of in iniquity. Sin leads to sin. Sin leads to greater sin. Have you noticed that in your life? It leads to deeper levels of sin. Sin leads to sin. We need to know that. Sin leads to sin and more sin. Even so now, the rest of verse 19, even so now, again, he says it, let's say it together, what? Yield. He says, even so now, yield your members, servants to righteousness unto what? Holiness. Holiness. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. You had no obligation to righteousness. What fruit, he says now, before you get excited about, what, what fruit had you then in those things where you now are ashamed? How, in other words, he's saying, how was that going for you when you were free from being righteous? Which really you weren't because you, God's going to hold you accountable. But I think you understand what he's saying there. He said, what fruit... Had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, now the simple reading of that demonstrates that there's way more here than what we have time to cover tonight. This would be a series in itself. So that's, that's not our intent to try to cover every, everything that is here. But I think if we'll just focus on the part about who you're yielded to, I think you'll find something that'll be a great help to you here tonight. Okay, so here's the title tonight. From servants of sin to servants of Christ. From servants of sin to servants of Christ, the freedom found in yielding your life to his control. You might say, how can you be free if you're still a servant? That's what he's talking about. There's only one way to be really free. Yielding your life to his control. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. I hope even the reading of this text, this marvelous text has been a great help to you. Uh, we need to revisit these passages and then revisit them again because they are so helpful to our Christian lives. <clears throat> I'd like to uh, tie into the men's advance theme here for just a little bit uh, because I believe all the men that went would echo this or if you've watched it later, you would say that was helpful yeah. and needful. It's a unique theme. You know, Brother Wayne uh, had life as a pinball. Life as a pinball. And he said this in the introductory, let me just read this. 
here for us uh, tonight. He said, many men are living life as a pinball. And I don't think that's exclusively just about men, but ladies as well and children, of course, living life like a pinball. The plunger propels them into their day and for the next several hours, they bounce from circumstance to circumstance, never knowing what's gonna happen next. Just about the time they think they might escape, escape, they are flipped right back into the game again. Days of this kind of living eventually turn into years. And men look back and feel like they have little to show for all the time and energy. However, there is an alternative and it is a gift from God called initiative. And he went on to say, instead of being lived, initiative gives us the awesome privilege of living. Instead of bouncing around. I, um, I captured some of the statements, you know, some of the preachers mentioned. And uh, one of them said this, the only time some sons see their dad excited is about sports, not church. Another statement. An inferior outside force should not control you. An inferior outside force should not control you. Initiative is not living independently of force. It's choosing the right force. Talk about momentum and, and the force it takes to move, you know, a, a pinball along or whatever, whatever it is. But in this case, we're talking about, you know, our lives and what moves us along. So in the initiative, and that, that was their focus. It's not ours tonight, but there is an overlap. And there's, there's a reason why I'm going here tonight. The initiative is not living independently of force. Listen, something is moving you along. Something is moving all of us along. So we don't live independently of force. It's just a matter of this choosing the right force in our lives. Uh, okay, some, some of this is not directly tied into this. So I just thought it was a good statement. Thought I'd share it with you. Many of you may say a loud amen about gender, but not an a loud amen about your gender role. Uh, then then uh, this was said, you will not regret putting down your phone to pick up your God-given role. There will always be resistance. The more resistance you face, the more re-energizing you will need. Anytime you know a ball or is moving across the ground or your car or whatever is moving, then it's going to have resistance and it needs some continued or sustained force to keep it moving in, the, in a direction if it's to keep, keep going. A moment of rest can turn into an evening of pinball. And then they used Peter quite a bit. When Pe all Peter could see, I like this statement, when all Peter could see was pinball moments, Christ saw Pentecost. In other words, even though you've messed up, God still knows what his plan is for you and can help you. So in the course of that, Romans 6 was mentioned, and, and rightly so. I mean, you think about how that people are just living from, from um, one temptation to the next and giving in to one temptation after the next. And, and, uh, and so Romans 6 was mentioned, in fact, verse number 16, if I'm not mistaken, unless I just kind of drifted during one of the preaching sessions and thought somebody said Romans 6, I'm pretty sure Romans 6 was mentioned. And it lodged in my brain in thinking about that, that, oh, my soul, that is so true. What do you yield yourself to? Or who do you yield yourself to? As we saw, as we were doing our reading, uh, the word yield is mentioned five different times in these verses from verse number 13 to verse number 19. So a very important word in the text. The word yield 
means to uh, place someone or something at someone's disposal. So you might yield yourself to another for at their disposal, for their use, okay? Um, it also means this, to give up or to give over as to a superior power. So uh, when I looked it up, you know, just there's several definitions of the word yield, but one of those would be like... Um, uh, they, they yielded the fort to the enemy because it was a superior force that was attacking. Yielded or giving up, giving over, surrendering. So why would a Christian yield to temptation? Because sin and its force, for those that are in Christ, temptation is not a superior force. Someone uh, said... I can resist everything except temptation. Um, read one individual is talking about um, God, please, you know, if we say, please deliver us, you know, from temptation, but then we're rushing right into it. It's like somebody praying, uh, please uh, protect my hand from the fire, but putting my hand in the fire. You know, sometimes we, uh, we just go right into those places of Temptation. How, how are you doing tonight with temptation? Um, how many of you here tonight deal with temptation on a day-to-day -day basis? I imagine probably all of us in varying degrees are dealing with different types of temptation. All kinds of temptation. Paul here is, is demonstrating that you're to yield yourselves as men, your members, your, your body, yourself, your, the whole of you, all of you is to be yielded as a member of righteousness or an instrument rather, instrument. So the word instrument means a tool of righteousness or it could be a weapon of righteousness as well. I mean, the word is that versatile, it could go both ways. Can I say to you tonight that your life, even as a believer, is either being used as a tool of what's right or as a tool of what's wrong. Either as a weapon of righteousness uh, to, to help move forward the kingdom or as a weapon that Satan could use against Christ's cause. Are you following the line of thinking there? So your life is either being used of God or it's not being used of God. There's no neutral ground here, by the way. So he's saying, uh, don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but yield unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. And so the book of Romans, he's writing here to help uh, these believers in Rome to know what he believes as he's getting ready to come to Rome. There were many in, uh, at, at the day of Pentecost, even from Rome, and they would have gone back. And some of them were Jews. And of course, there were Gentiles back in Rome. And so there's this whole uh, discussion that's surrounding the book of Romans because some were saying, well, Paul says the law is no longer needed. And, and he emphasizes grace, which is licentiousness. They were, they were saying that Paul had the idea that, you know, because grace abounds, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. They were saying, well, your idea then is that we ought to sin so we get more grace. And that's why Paul says, what? What then shall we sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid that makes absolutely no sense because that's not how grace works. It's not at all how grace works. Freedom from sin is not the freedom to sin. So as I thought about the word yield and not yielding to temptation, uh, probably like many of you, uh, my mind went to uh, the hymn, uh, Yield Not to Temptation. How many of you know the hymn? Okay, it's a great hymn. 
In fact, look at it in page 480. Would you do that? No, that's weird. I meant to have you turn in your Bibles to Romans 6 and in your hymn books to 480. Okay? It's a great hymn. I want you to see this. Yield not to temptation, 480. <clears throat> Yield not to temptation. Brother Aaron, do we sing this song? We don't. Okay, but we're going to in the future. Yep. Okay, great. Yield not to temptation. Now, probably a lot of you do know even how this goes. I'm not going to sing it for you, but we are going to look at the words. Yield not to temptation, page 480. Yield not to temptation. Horatio uh, Palmer wrote this, by the way, in 1868. So evidently they had sin back then. Yield not to temptation for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you some other to win. You know what he's saying there? If you you have victory in, in not yielding temptation, then that will help fortify you when another temptation comes. All right. Um, how about this? I, I, I like this next phrase after the men's advance. Fight manfully. Huh? Fight manfully onward. Dark passions subdue. But here's the key. Look ever to Jesus. He will carry you through. And then the refrain, ask the Savior to help you. Comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is willing to aid you. He will carry you through. Look at the next, uh, next line. Shun evil companions. Some of your temptation is going to come because of evil friends. Shun evil companions. Bad language, disdain. Huh. I thought they only had bad language nowadays. Well, they had bad language back then too. Shun evil companions, bad language disdain, God's name hold in reverence, nor take it in vain. Be thoughtful and earnest, kind-hearted and true. Look ever to Jesus, he will carry you through. How about the next line? To him that overcometh, God giveth a crown. Through faith we will conquer How about this? Though often cast down. You ever given in a temp? Well, no, I'm not asking that. I know the answer to that question. But you ever been cast down because of giving in temptation? Though often cast down. He who is our Savior, our strength will renew. Look ever to Jesus. He will carry you through. What a song. What a song. Thank you. You may, of course, put that him book back, but um, I just thought that was uh, awesome words to the song. I wanted you even just to see that. So Paul is really is dealing with that here in Romans and chapter number six, and he's he's helping them understand that that look um, the first three chapters really he's dealing with their salvation, and and he's making this point: Jew and Gentile alike need salvation because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there's only one way to be saved, and that's by justification through faith. And that's justification. What does justified mean? Well, justified means that you are declared righteous because of what Jesus did, declared righteous and treated that way. Justification, one of my favorite words in the Bible. What a great study. Uh, If you want to be encouraged, just just study the, the word justification, being justified, because God deals with our sin problem. Hey, look, if you could deal with your sin problem, then Jesus wouldn't have had to come. 
okay? But you could not, and so therefore he came. But watch this. Paul is dealing not just with the ruling power of sin, but also sinning. Because through Jesus Christ, he breaks the power of sin's rule in our life. That's justification that we are forgiven of the guilt of our past. It's a judicial term. We are acquitted through Jesus Christ. It's not through works of righteousness, of course, which we have done, but according to his mercy and grace that he saved us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, justified, justified, forgiven, all right? But then also this, sanctified. Now he's gonna deal with that in Romans chapter eight, but he's also dealing with it right here in chapter number six. So we are justified by faith, but we are set apart or made holy to live a holy life. And he wants to help us not just with sin, but sins. Not just the ruling power of sin in our life, but also our sinning. But you can't deal with this. You can't get victory here against sinning if you're not first saved. Okay. So he deals with that and he does so in Romans 1, 2, 3, and 4. It shows that Abraham and David were justified by faith. They weren't justified by works. And, and so all, all those things are working together. And then in chapter number 5, he's talking about the blessings, all that we have in Christ because of being justified by faith. Are you following, following me right here? And then chapter number 5, the latter part of it. He's talking about how that one time we were in Adam, but now we're in Christ. And watch this, where sin did reign, watch, hang on just a minute. Where sin did reign, did sin reign in your life? Where sin did reign, grace does much more reign now. Where sin reigned, now grace reigns. Where sin abounded is what Paul says. Where sin abounded, grace much more abounds, okay? So do we sin more to get more grace? No. So how do we stop sinning? How do we stop yielding to temptation? How do we stop living a pinball life? How do, how do we keep, keep going from iniquity to iniquity to iniquity to iniquity? Because we all deal with temptation. Every single day you deal with temptation. You, you, you deal with temptation about maybe not coming to church. You ever have that temptation? Man, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to go tonight. I got a lot to do. That's a temptation. And then you make a choice whether you're going to yield to it or not. Well, thank God you're here tonight. Okay, you didn't yield to that temptation. Um, you have a temptation about lying or stealing or lusting. Some of you carry your form of temptation right in your pocket with your phone. And it's dominating you. And you're going from one iniquity to another iniquity to another iniquity to another iniquity to another iniquity. Some of you may be given into the temptation to uh, be involved sexually outside of marriage or, or uh, and to varying degrees. But listen, you, here's what happens. If you yield a little bit, then you can yield a little bit more. And then more and then more. Next thing you know, it's your master. It's a serious matter, isn't it? How do you stop sinning? Is that a good thing to deal with in a church service? How do you stop sinning? All right, here's what we do. Let's get more rules. Well, I've been in some places that had plenty of rules and yet it didn't stop sin. Let's get more religious rituals. Well, if that were the case, then... Catholics would never sin. They have all kinds of rituals. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just trying to say rituals evidently are not the answer. 
Let's increase spiritual service. Let's, let's add more ministries. Let's get more going. Well, a lot of people are involved in ministries, but they're still yielding to temptation. So how do we do that? Well, Paul identifies really three keys to this. The first one is this. You've got to know what Jesus did for you and that you're in Christ. That's the first uh, 10 verses. Okay. I'm going to give you the three words. They're right here in the text. The first one is no. The second one is reckon. And the third one is yield. No reckon and yield. No reckon and yield. You got to know that you're crucified with Christ. Okay. Know that, understand that, know, reckon, and yield. So in verses 1 through uh, 10, he's dealing with that, that you have been buried with him. I'm, I, I just looked at verse number 4. He talks about um, how that we're dead to sin. By the way, let me back up. Verse number 2, dead to sin. All right, that means this, dead with reference to sin. At one time you were, before salvation, you were dead in sin. But now once you are born again, now you're dead in reference to sin. By the way, sin didn't die. You died to sin. The realm of sin, the influences around us are still very much alive. And you would have encountered those today as you just simply drove down the road and you had billboards or somebody cut you off. You were tempted to sin right there. Or as you were working and somebody didn't show up, you were tempted to sin right there. I mean, probably today you have encountered a good number of opportunities to sin. How did you do? Well, how do you stop sinning? Well, you, you've got to know that once you're saved, that you are buried with him. By the way, the water baptism does not put you in Jesus. You're already saved in him. Water baptism demonstrates that. Thank God for Brother Gene being baptized tonight, but he was saved in the office a few weeks ago. Baptism just shows us that he is already in Christ. Okay? It's just a picture. The old life has passed away. New life has come. All right. And so uh, here he's, he's saying you're buried with him, verse 4, uh, that you might be raised with him, verse 4, that you have the newness of life and, and the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 6, our old man is crucified with him, the body of sin. You, you've got to know that you identify with him. You're in union with him. You're one with him. You're united to him. He died there on the cross for your sin that you might die to sin. Everybody follow that. He died for our sin and sins that we might be dead to sin. Okay. You got to know that. Let me, let me work through this and we'll illustrate it. You got to know that. You got to understand that. You got to be aware of that. Where would we be tonight had Jesus not done that? We would be yet in our sin because we would have no power. We would have no power to resist temptation. We would have no Holy Spirit. Is this making sense to everybody here? We would have no, no Holy Spirit living within us to, to uh, resist temptation. You say, well, I think I could, just, uh, I could just try harder. I would have greater resolve. It won't work. Because a lot of people have really tried to have great resolve and added rules and rituals and service and yet that's not enough to keep you from sinning. In fact, if you could just add more resolve to it, did Jesus have to come? The answer is no. So the fact that he came, died in our place, and that we identified with him there, and that we were buried with him and rose with him, I realize that that can be a difficult concept to, to kind of wrap your brain around, but basically it's this, he's got to live the life through you, and you got to know that. Okay, so there's knowing, 
Then there's reckoning. Now, that's a good Kentucky term that did not originate in Kentucky. All right. It's a mathematical term. It means to calculate. It means to consider. It means to add it up and see that it's so. All right. Look at verse number 11. Likewise, likewise, he said in verse 10, so it's tied to that, for in that he died, he died in a sin once, but that he liveth, he liveth, liveth unto God. In other words, he's saying, listen, just like that, just like Jesus was buried for our sin, died for our sins, was buried and rose again, so we likewise should be done with the old, way, old ways of the man, old man way of life and have new life and live for God, not live for self. Likewise, Reckon yourselves also dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. So you got to know this and then you reckon it. You, you consider it to be so in your life. I'm done with sin. Not in my own power, but through Christ. Through what he provides for me and the fact that by his death, burial, and resurrection, I have the ability, the power in Christ to resist temptation, to say no. Okay, you know and reckon these things. Let not sin, verse number 12, therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield, okay, and, and again, that's mentioned five times, neither yield your members instruments of unrighteousness, but yield yourselves to God, verse number 13, verse number 16. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, either unto sin. If you yield to sin, you're your sin servant. If you yield to God, you're God's servant. It's really that simple. Who do you yield to? Who do you yield to when that temptation comes and, and you're tempted to kind of bounce around with your phone from one app to another app and you know that you ought not to have, well, number one, you ought not have that app on there. Or you, or you know that you ought not even have access to the internet. Some of you, I'm just simply saying, if, you're, if your smartphone is calls, you need to act like a fool, then get rid of it. Don't put your hand in the fire and say, please, God, protect me from this. That's, that's ludicrous. Okay. You got to know that that's fire and you got to reckon that it's hot and then don't yield yourself to it. I mean, really, that's that's pretty simple, isn't it? You got to know that those lustful images will affect you. You got to know that that website that has bitterness in it is going to affect your thinking. You can't say, God, please just help me to read this and it not affect me. It's like trying to stick your hand in the fire and not being burned. You ought to know that when you go somewhere with your boyfriend or girlfriend and you're not where you ought to be, you ought to know that that's a dangerous place to be and reckon that it won't work well for you like it hasn't worked for anybody else. You ought to know that when that lady flirts with you at the office and you're a married man, that you ought to know that there's danger right there and you ought to reckon it to be true for you just as much as it has been for all men of all mankind, even as David and others just like him. And you ought to know that, reckon that, and then don't yield yourself to it, but yield yourself to God. Amen. Okay. No reckon and yield. Okay, look at verse number 19 again. I speak after the manner of men. What he's saying right there is I'm using these illustrations um, just, just because in our flesh we need help. <laughs> Isn't that right? And, and I can explain this and in the infirmity of your flesh. He says, for as you've yielded your members, servants to uncleanness, to immorality and iniquity to iniquity. So he says, now yield your members to servants to righteousness unto holiness. The word holiness is the word from which we get the, our idea of sanctification, set apart. Sanctification is when you live up to who God made you to be. 
so you're either going to serve yourself or you serve the one who sets you free. That's Christ. And when you serve Christ, you're really free, even though you're a slave to him. The word slave is the same as the word servant. You're a servant to him, a slave to him. I do what he wants me to do, and therefore I'm free. Jim Berg uses the illustration in his, in his book, Change Into His Image, that I know I've used here before, but it's rather helpful about um, when you're about a, a renter and a tenant. And the renter is uh, Mr. Brown, I think it is. And, and you've, paid, you've paid rent to Mr. Brown for years. But then in the course of time, Mr. Brown sells his house to Mr. White. Well, Mr. Brown comes knocking on your door. Hey, time to pay. But Mr. Brown sold to Mr. White. So now you've got a new landlord. Now, let me tell you something. Mr. Brown will still take your money. But you are no longer obligated to pay Mr. Brown. But you've got to know that. You've got to reckon that. And you don't yield to Mr. Brown. And you can say, listen, I've got a new landlord here. And I've got a new master here. I don't have to serve you. Got it? Okay, I worked at O'Reilly's. I like to use this illustration. I worked at O'Reilly's and, and um, for several years I worked there, wore green and, and uh, loaded trucks and stock shelves and such. And I can still in my mind, I can still uh, get the bulk and, and take it onto that, into that straight truck and unload store 85 to Miami, not Miami here in Oklahoma, it's Miami. Miami, and then store 197 in Pryor, store 156, Broken Arrow, and store 162 uh, in, in Tulsa, huge store. And so I can unload all that bulk. I can, I can still sometimes, when I was doing it, I was doing it in my sleep, nearly, you know, just unload it all, getting those totes tied on. Well, say I change jobs and I go work for uh, AutoZone. I get into the zone, and so now I'm working for AutoZone, all right? And I don't show up, you know, to work at O'Reilly's because I don't work there anymore. And, but O'Reilly's calls me and says, hey, where are you at? I said, man, I got in the zone. I'm at AutoZone now. I'm working here at AutoZone. And, and, and they say, well, you come on over here and unload this truck. We got to get, you know, 156 and 197 and 85 and 162. We got to get all that, you know, distributed. We got we to have your help. Now, now watch this. I still know how to unload that truck or load that truck but I'm no longer obligated. Even though I know how to do it, I reckon that I no longer am employed by O'Reilly's and I now am employed by AutoZone and thus I don't yield to O'Reilly's, but I yield to AutoZone. Okay, watch this. Listen, your sin's gonna come knocking. The old, the old ways are, that you used to serve, the old anger that you've had, the lust that you've had, the, the ways of lying and being dishonest, all those ways, listen, you still know how to do all those things. But listen, here's what you need to know. You are crucified with Christ and yet you live. Yet not you, but Christ lives in you. And you gotta know that and reckon, I don't need to serve that anymore and thus yield myself to Jesus Christ. And thus I say no to the television and I say no to those apps and I say no to those advertisements and 
I say no to that person. In fact, I say no to a whole lot of people so that I can say yes to Jesus Christ because I'm under new management. I've got a new landlord. I've got a new boss. I've got a new master. And he's real good to me. And that boss and that landlord, they were tyrants. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm not talking about O'Reilly's. I'm talking about the sin and the, and the wretchedness that was there. And it was taking me down and further down and went from iniquity to iniquity to iniquity. In fact, I might say it this way. It's like I was living like at one time, like a pinball. But then I got tired of getting bounced around and maybe you're at that place now and you're sick of yourself and you're sick of the sin that has defined your life. Well, listen, if in Jesus Christ you are saved, then you don't have to serve that anymore. And if you're not saved, you can be saved tonight and your life can drastically change and he does, Satan doesn't have to be your master. Sin doesn't have to be your master. But now you can serve what is right and true. It leads to holiness, not things that you're ashamed of anymore. That's in the text. These two young ladies that were pretty well known for partying, they uh, trusted Christ as their Savior. And then this invitation came to go to the party, the next big party. Parents out of town, everybody's going to be there, alcohol, the whole nine yards. They RSVP'd. They responded back in this way and said, we are sorry, but we will not be able to attend the party seeing that we died. <laughs> you imagine when they got the response back, we've died. Well, how did they write that? <laughs> they're dead because their life is hid with Christ in God. Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Look unto Jesus. He'll help you. He'll carry you through. In fact, well, in fact what you've got to do when that temptation comes, it says, look, I'm sorry I can't come. I've died. I can't talk that way. I've died. I can't listen to that. I'm dead. I can't go back to those places. I can't, somebody might have to say, I can't date you anymore because I died. <laughs> you follow me? I don't know if you'd say it exactly like that. <laughs> I, I'm not going to have that attitude anymore because I, I died. I got new life in Christ and I've got several things to be grateful for. I got hope. Maybe I shouldn't go to church tonight. I've got so much to do. Wait a minute. I died. I don't have anything to do that he doesn't tell me to do. And he'll take care of whatever else I need to do if I just put him first. You got to know that. You got to reckon that. You got to yield to the right master. Otherwise, you'll live a pinball life and to iniquity to iniquity rather than from right choice to right choice to right choice to right choice. And again, it's not you trying harder. It's this, I'm trusting Jesus and yielding to his control. And you'll find freedom. Let's stand tonight. Appreciate your attention. I hope that's a help. I know that if you tie into what God said, it will be a help. True freedom is found in being Jesus' servant. We went from being servants of sin to servants of Christ. My, what liberty we found there.
What liberty. Thank God for the difference he's made in our lives by grace. Grace doesn't give you license to live any way you want to. Grace enables you to obey him. Would you please pause tonight and consider how you're handling the temptations that come your way? Are you giving in to temptation? Because there it is. You either give in to temptation or you give that temptation over to him in the sense that you don't give into it or give up and give in, but you have already given your life over to him and therefore sin has no appeal. Father, tonight, I thank you for this passage and others like it that bear out the same truth that it's through Christ Jesus, our Lord, that we have victory and therefore you get the glory for it. And so, God, I, I pray that you'd help some that may very well be struggling with some form of, of temptation, whether it's doubt or fear or anger or lust. Lord, there's so many ways that, that we're susceptible to the domain of sin that's around us. But we thank you through Christ Jesus that we can have victory if we just simply yield to you moment by moment in situation after situation. And thus, you sanctify our lives. You purify us. We thank you for that, dear God. And I pray that you'd help us here tonight in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Page 503, where he leads me. I'll follow Brother Aaron's going to lead us. Uh, would, you, would you come here tonight and receive the grace that's available to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, as we sing. Go right ahead.